Hello, and welcome to the Science is Gray podcast. Contrary to widespread belief and mainstream media portrayals, science isn't always black and white. I'm your host, Serena Farb, and as a former science teacher with a biochemistry degree and passionate justice activist, I believe that social progress and justice depend on open scientific dialogue and debate, even when it's unpopular or controversial. On this podcast, we have in-depth conversations exploring scientific issues from a holistic perspective that allows room for nuance, understanding bias, ethical dilemmas, and reaching into the gray areas of science and ethics in society. So today's episode is a super interesting one, very philosophical and slightly esoteric, and it definitely delves into a lot of gray areas about whether science is a force for good in the world or not. My guest, Semi Ogzukan, is an environmental engineer who speaks about the negative impact that technological innovation is having on the planet and why. He actually has a pretty dark view of science and seems to think that the scientific method itself is inherently causing a lot of problems in the world. So I thought, what better place to discuss this than here on the podcast? I promise you, I don't shy away from having these difficult discussions. So while I personally am still a big fan of science and evidence, and I think that what matters is how science and evidence is used, I'm always open to hearing and learning about another perspective. But before we jump into it, I just want to remind everyone that you can visit my website, bornvegan.org, and sign up for my email list if you'd like to be notified every time I release new episodes. And on my website as well, there are links to my other social media accounts and my YouTube channel if you'd like to see more of my content or engage with me more regularly. All right, let's jump into it. Welcome, Semi, and thanks so much for coming on to the podcast today. So I understand that you have a PhD in environmental engineering. But I want to know, like, tell me a little bit about yourself and what kind of research you have done in the past uh, and, and what are you doing with that? I, I started with physics. Um, I have a, a university degree, uh, basic uh, license from physics because I had um, a talent for it. I was very, I wanted to know how things work. And then... Um, after finishing the physics degree, um, I didn't know what to do with it. I could be a teacher, but um, especially in my country, I couldn't follow like uh, higher degrees about it because you need you need some technology, you need some money to do higher physics, and uh, so especially with the experiments and things, you know, that's how it follows. And so I decided to have a master's degree in nuclear and nuclear waste management and decommissioning. And I did that. And, and after that, uh, I realized that uh, I need to, you know, I what are my values? Because uh, as I age, I realized you know, it's not all about me. Yes, I have some talents, I have some things, but what I will do with those? I knew what I value is uh, life and happiness and nature and such things and beauty of nature. I always found nature very beautiful. I always wanted to live beautiful nature. So I said, let's let's do a PhD in environmental engineering. And well, it didn't turn out that as I have expected, because I was thinking that, like most things in life, you don't 
find what you expect. <laughs> that was disappointing. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe I was too naive. I am still very naive person. I, I have been always a naive person. I said, you know, um, but I'm coming around and um, I'm just starting to be more realistic. And I, I want others to be more realistic. That's why I want to share such an information. So what, I'm going to ask this first, what did you think or what is environmental engineering normally focused on? Well, it is focused on many things, but usually it is finding uh, harmony. It is the idea of finding harmony between the technology and the nature, basically. It's, it's okay. That environmental engineering so and i was always suspicious about the term of environmental engineering because how can you en engineer environment because the environment has been evolved over billions of years and it has like amazing harmony how can you engineer it and make it better it wasn't about that it was about fitting this unsustainable system right now trying to make it fit into that harmonious uh, nature and you know I always had problems with that you know term uh -huh. environmental engineering I said we shouldn't engineer environment we should engineer humans to fit you know, just uh, get the humans to fit the environment rather than trying to change the environment is that the idea yeah yeah, yeah it was it was kind of like finding the middle ground but when it comes to environment there is no middle ground that I have understood much later. Was there, so you had kind of been thinking about this, was there any particular tipping point or thing that really led you to start researching or questioning the impacts of like industrialized civilization and technological civilization on the environment? I have some doubts, you know, that I, I am a documentary lover. I always watch documentaries, environmental documentaries. I have been I, I went vegan because of documentaries. Okay. Uh, so, like, um, I was always searching for new information about environment. First, uh, about, uh, I studied with physics and, like, technology, and then shifted to more environmental information, like, well, what is environmental science, what is going on with the environment. And then... Almost every environmental documentary was saying, okay, we are in the sixth mass extinction. And it is very difficult for me to just uh, ignore that. When, when they say that, you know, I say, I must focus on this and stay with this because this seems important. You know, I can't just hear that and then go and do other things, you know. And when I heard this over and over, and I, I was seeing that the environment is being savaged by the, and all, all the environmental problems were rooted uh, in the, the technology, you know, climate change, fossil fuels and that, and then, and everything was connected to this technology. And mm -hmm. uh, you need to be very uh, close-minded to not to be able to see the connection between those two. That's, that's how I started with documentaries. Okay. And, and the point when I really realized that, like, like I questioned, I was always, uh, sus I was always suspicious that may maybe we can find 
we, we can improve this technology. I was blaming the politicians. Mm. Then I started blaming the corporations. Then I started blaming the monetary system. Uh-huh. And then I started, you know, then like it went bigger and bigger, higher, like more powerful uh, institutions I started to blame. And then eventually it became, I realized that it's none of them. They're just parts of the bigger picture. And I realized if we will blame something, which is blame is like human made, human construct thing, you, you, can't, you can't blame, it's part of nature. It's like a, in evolution, you can't blame because I don't believe in free will. You said you so, don't believe in free will or you do? No. No, okay. <laughs> That's why I don't blame any, anything. Okay. But if we will go along with the common notions of uh, language, if there is something to blame, then it is the bigger thing. I realized that I always blamed monetary system for, for a long time. Uh-huh. Now I blamed monetary system and I said, we can do better with this. Let's get, get rid of the monetary system. And I was thinking alternatives to monetary system. And I said, there are no alternatives to this. Like, they all the, the technology comes as a package, and this civilization historically it evolved with all those parts. So if you want to get rid of that part, you need to put something else uh, to replace it, mm-hmm. and that something else will also come with problems because it's uh, as we will see any novel thing they all come with unintended consequences. So. I realized that it is not fixable. We can't just make things up and it, we, we can feel it in our head. So I was arrogant and I realized, you know, what I'm doing with all my ideals and utopias and all those things it is very arrogant thing to do. Yeah. That's fascinating. Um, yeah. So <laughs> like we, we, I mean, we've already been talking about this over email a little bit and you've shared some of your presentations Uh, with me but um so as i understand it you have based on what you were just saying to a very interesting theory um that you know about technology and evolution and kind of that our technological based civilization is essentially like a pyramid scheme and it is the i think as you're saying kind of the for you the root cause or that is the root issue of what is causing our environmental problems and destroying the natural world so and i'm going to be honest like this isn't something that i have fully explored i think i maybe have a different paradigm or have blamed other things as well like i haven't um yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, it's very interesting to me. Um, and so I'm really interested to have you explain it more, uh, especially because, I mean, this is the Science is Gray podcast. And, and the whole point is, I, I mean, this is a perfect conversation to have here because while I tend to still hold on to the idea of science and the scientific method being wonderful and and sort of think it's more about how we use it you know you seem to lean more on the side of it's inherently problematic so i figure like this is the perfect place to have a discussion in a very uh philosophical and kind of gray area around science 
in the world and the scientific method. And, and I mean, I feel like a lot of our entire society actually is built on like, and most discussions about science and technology are built on the assumption that technology and even like progress is inherently good and always helpful to society. And it's almost blasphemous to even question if progress and technology are really good. Um, so yeah. So before we get into the details of your theory, can you define exactly what you mean by um, modern technology and engineering and, uh, and, and how to, is, are you referring to technology when we're talking or do you think technology goes hand in hand with like the pure scientific method or are they different? So, very good question. I, I had very difficult time accepting that maybe the modern science is part of the problem. Mm-hmm. I was a nerd, kind of. Not exactly, but I, I was interested very much in, into science. You know, I wanted to learn stuff. And I always said learning new things is always good because what can be bad about knowing more about everything, knowing more, knowing, knowing is wisdom, mm-hmm. kind of. So it, it is like I saw science as opening the light bulb, like, you know, turning on the light bulb. And if you are blind, you hit into things and you can hurt yourself. And if you use science and open the light bulb and you see around, you, you are fine. But now, I, of course... I, I want to define. I want to differentiate between the science in general, that as I understand, mm-hmm. and the modern science. So, science in general is, and let me know if you agree with this. That okay. Science is the modeling of reality. Okay. Do you kind of agree that we're collecting data points and evidence and trying to. Yeah create a picture we i mean we probably know a fraction of what the universe is and we take Uh our our data points and and try to construct a picture so yes i I, yes Mm -hmm. okay so with that definition evolution is also science and everything like life is doing actually science this might be foreign you know for most people they, they maybe never heard of such thing that Animals can do science, mm-hmm. but yes, children can do science. They do. That's that's learning. There is only one way of learning, and it's evolution. And science is a specific kind of evolution. If humans do it, we call it science. Um, if if children do it, we don't call it science. But still, like like if if a child has a ball, you know, the child takes the ball and drops it, it opens her hand and the ball drops and repeats it and repeats it. And then the control experiment is the one that she doesn't open her hand. Mm-hmm. And the, con- the, the one with the experiment when she opens her hand and the ball drops. So clearly the child is doing an experiment, right? It's a controlled experiment. Absolutely. And yeah, so th- this is clear up to the children, but when we go to animals and other kind of things, it is not that clear. But if I put it 
that way that I wrote down because I want I don't want to uh, tell it in the wrong way. Mm-hmm. So to be harmonious, organisms should model parts of the world that they are interested in. Without uh, modeling, they can't be harmonious. They need to connect. So science is forming connections. And, uh, understanding is forming connections, forming models in your own brain. So it's the same thing that all life is doing. Maybe they're not doing in their brains, neurological systems, but they're doing their chemical systems, other whatever they have. Mm-hmm. Evolution uh, is equivalent to science in the most general sense. Now, what we are talking about is the modern science, which is um, science plus technology. Now, here the different thing is the technology. And the problematic thing, in my view, is the technology. That's why science is problematic, because it is being perpetuated with 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 technology. So it is is going right now hand in hand. And when we call science, it is modern technological science done by adult humans with complex theories hand in hand with technology. And that's the problem with science, I think. It's normal. Okay, that's that's uh, very well said. Um, so, do you think then is it possible to have just science and not technology, or do you think the science, when humans are doing it, will always lead to novel technology? If science uses technology, it will lead to more technology because it, it is a novel disruption. And yeah, modern science, as I defined, as I have defined it, science plus technology will always lead to more problems. Okay, okay, that's uh... because the involvement of the technology, not the science, the scientific method is not the problem because in, in general it is life, you know, mm-hmm. evolution. But when you involve technology, which is a novel paradigm, it's a novel phenomenon. Uh-huh. When you involve that, then you will have problems. Not because science is a bad thing, because technology is involved with the science. Okay, that that makes sense. Um, so I have talked on this podcast before as well about the importance of being holistic in our thinking, in our approach to science. Um, and so you seem to think that it's impossible to be holistic when it comes to technology um, and innovation because our world is so complex that anything new will always create unintended consequences. So can you explain what you mean by unintended consequence? Well, that's easy. You Unintended consequence can be good or bad and it is a consequence that you didn't plan you didn't foresee you know when when you act uh, you form a model in your head and you say this might be the outcome based on your view of reality and most of the time your view is flawed and your view is just based on your um, capabilities your design and your designed uh, by the evolution to live a natural life, and when if if you you have been put into this 
novel paradigm uh, is technology and told let's let's um, you know foresee future um, in more detail you can't do it so but unintended consequences is simply unplanned or unexpected outcome of actions of our actions all right so then i guess this is the the big root question um why do you think technology and innovation is always bad and always leads to unintended consequences now we have been told that technology can be used for good or bad mm-hmm. and this kind of implies there's 50-50 chances like you know if you are an evil person you use it for bad if you're a good person you do good with it but that's very very simplistic and false representation of reality of technology the real picture with technology is that um it is not 50-50 and if you even intend to use it for good there will be unintended consequences that you don't plan and they will tend to be bad and why is that you know why whatever we do tends to be bad you know right why is it inherently you seem to be saying that yes. there's something inherent in technology mm-hmm. that is bad so what is that that thing is the because we are living in such a harmonious nature that has evolved over billions of years and this technology like there are two things uh like there were two things until now um, geology and biology okay. and evolution like when you look at nature how it changes it was the mountains forming volcanoes uh, exploding and dna mutations changing mm-hmm. right yep can you think anything else i don't Being think i would have described it that way but that yeah the 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 geological part and the biology yeah yeah like what caused what caused change on earth until just before technology i mean it was dna mutations mm-hmm. biology yep and geology like mountains forming like what, what else there were meteors sometimes hitting uh-huh. let's count it as geology it's not bad um, so those two things there there were now this is a novel technology is a novel thing um it's not um changing with dna uh it's not changing with geology it's, it has its own mind it's it's totally novel um phenomenon and because it's a novel phenomenon billions of years uh, nature formed harmony and this novel phenomena is a disruption to the harmony so that's why it can't be it is it is highly likely to be bad because it's a novel disruption to this harmony so it's like a meteor you know it's like it is coming it doesn't have any experience beforehand it didn't evolve with all those things it's just novel and it's like think about human body Mm-hmm. right it is evolved biologically and it's harmonious it has blood pressure and everything ph levels and if you change 
just one of them, a little bit, change the pH of the blood. It is bad for human. You, you can't you can't improve human body anymore. You, that's that's the optimal human body because it has been evolved over ages. And if you change pH of your blood, it's bad for you. If you change if you change anything in your design, it's bad for you. That's the same reason why why if you change the, uh, the nature with technology, it is bad for nature always, almost always. You can't, you, it's almost impossible to find a way to change nature that will better it because it has almost perfected itself over all this time. When you disturb once, it is very, uh, it's a risky move, you know, to send um, signals into such a complex system. It's a very risky move. And if you do it fast, you will, you expect to, um, evolve fast enough to meet those feedbacks, but uh, it, it will not be possible for humanity to. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I have so many thoughts and so many questions. Okay. Um, so I think I inherit, I, I, I understand your premise and I very much agree. Like it makes sense to me. Our system is complex and what you're saying is, we change one thing and that changes like has a ripple effect and changes many other things because the system is so interconnected and complex that we'll never be able to predict the ways that that will come back and affect us again or or nature and the world like that makes a lot of sense to me um i guess the the questions and, and where my brain goes with this is very deep very philosophical but you know, I guess I, I'm trying to figure out how to to phrase my question here. There's this idea, I guess the way I've understood biology and evolution a lot is that it's not inherently good or bad, but it's, it's about an organism's fit with their environment, right? Mm-hmm. So as, you know, with natural selection or as humans evolved, um, just an example of this is thinking about are dietary adaptations, right? Like when humans were living only around the equator and were able to eat lots of tropical fruit and, you know, things like that, like that might be where we started, but humans have evolved to be able to survive on and eat, uh, I think like all kinds of things. It might not be optimal per se, like people that moved really far north into cold snowy regions have been able to survive by eating, you know, animals or hunting up there. But then you look at like some of the studies looking at the heart disease rates in communities that have lived really far north. So while that might've been a beneficial adaptation for them to be able to, you know, digest and consume and survive on meat, when their only goal was to survive to, you know, reproductive age or things like that, like it, it didn't matter that maybe they, they were getting heart disease from that. And that's so like, when I look at our, when I look at our current, you know, life, like what I tend to say when I have views on, you know, we're eating tons of processed sugar and meat and dairy and things that I look around and I look at the evidence and I think, people are dying of chronic disease and being harmed by these things. But I don't think those things, like I don't think processed sugar is inherently bad. I guess the way I would phrase it 
is that's only bad because human biology hasn't adapted or caught up to that. So like we adapted to be able to store calories and and get as much, you know, as we could from the food around us, because so much of human history, we have had calorie deficits. It's been hard to find food, hard to survive. And now in a short, you know, hundred years with technology, with, you know, modern society, we have an abundance of calories and food. And so I guess I look at that and I wonder, is that inherently bad? Or if it had happened more slowly, you know, would humans be able to adapt and thrive to it? Um, so that's kind of, yeah, I'm just, I, I wonder, because like animals are doing things too, right? You see signs of, of other, you know, non-human animals that try and create technology, not in the sophisticated level we are, but like, wouldn't they do that? if they could evolve enough to do it too. So like I said, so many questions. I'm not really sure where I'm going here. Pick something yeah, and uh, I, <laughs> give I me your thoughts. What, what you're trying to say, like who we are to question evolution. <laughs> it has, you know, kind of. But uh, so the thing is, um, for example, sugar. Mm-hmm. Can't humans evolve fast enough to deal with sugar. Uh-huh. The thing is, because uh, it is um, it is such a novel thing, technology, it causes exponential growing problems because you, you know when, once you disturb one thing and the other things don't have enough time to evolve for it, mm-hmm. it grows exponentially because they can't accommodate that. Um, that kind of change, so they can't catch up. So when you put um, such a signal, such a disturbance into biological systems, such as humans, with technology such as sugar, processed foods, mm-hmm. um, this is just one problem. If that was just one problem and we had thousands of years, we would be okay with it. But that's, that's not how these technological disturbances work. They come with bigger and bigger waves. So this is just the sugar problem is just one part of it. So you, I think you're asking, can we adopt to this technology and the bad, bad parts of it, you know, the, the, hard, the harmful... If it was slower, it. could we adapt? To it. That's another question because this is a very big if, because we're not controlling the technology. As I said, it has its own mind. When we disturb the system, forget about controlling it because it's so complex, you will just go along with it, whatever it brings, because you can't guess what it brings. And um, the thing is, for example, I, so I had I had some examples with that. Let's say humans. We say we have ended slavery, right? Okay. We, we said we have ended slavery. But really, did we end slavery by our um, own decision? The, I think every change happens in, in this age because the technology is ripe for it. Let's say, I think slavery didn't end just because humans decided that it's wrong. It ended because of the industrial revolution. 
the machines came and it reduced the worker need for workers and it increased the need for educated workers, right? So slaves were forbidden to be able to be slaves. They need to be kept ignorant and forbid the reading, forbid the writing for them. They don't, they, they can't learn such kind of things. And once you have the industrial revolution, which is technology expanding and technology needs humans, educated humans, able to read and write and less humans, Technology, I think, decided that it's time to let go of slavery. That's why it relaxed the pressure on the slaves and the slaves were able to set free, kind of set free, but it kind of changed. So now there is modern slavery. Still, we are working for technology most of the time. We are not re realizing it, but our lives revolve around technology. So I think all these assumptions that we think that we are just doing because we are so good-hearted people, I think it is just connected to the, this technological machine, this, this, this mm -hmm. monster. I think I, I don't want to call it monster because in, in the bigger picture of evolution, there is nothing bad, as you said, you know, there's no bad, no good. Maybe in the future, humans will go extinct and machines will take over. Who knows? <laughs> so maybe, uh -huh. maybe in, in the future, machines will look at us and say, if they find about us, they will say they tried to prevent our evolution, but now we took over. But it's just utopic talk, thinking that, you know, addresses your uh, perspective, you know, which is right that I am against technology because I value current organisms mm -hmm. and humans and I, I want to keep them as they are. You know. Okay. Yeah, that's... Um, uh, so many thoughts again um one <laughs> have you seen the matrix that's that's, that's yes i saw but that's, that's another, like, like me answering questions bringing more <laughs> questions that's exactly a pyramid scheme that is technology is doing. uh interesting uh, okay okay we're, yeah, solutions yeah. <laughs> creating more problems so like, like i am trying to answer but you are having more questions exactly the thing einstein said that like when i learn there are more questions around because it's like um, it's it's how it is when when you when you try to um, manage a complex system, mm -hmm. try to learn how to manage it. Uh, that that's how how it it goes right, always. That's yeah. No, this is giving me a lot to think about. Very interesting. Um, I may have a bit of a hard time accepting your. Uh, premise about slavery ending just because of technology um not just but it was i think big, big part of it. I, I i agree that that you know there were economic forces and other things um i can definitely understand that i guess okay so i i, I figured out a way i think to phrase um one of the root <laughs> questions i was also trying to get at when i was talking about the, you know, that I view evolution as being about an organism's fit with their current environment. What that means is that you can have evolution or adaptations that in one environment were very beneficial to that organism. But if you transport that organism to another environment, those adaptations have 
unintended consequences or negative downsides or other things. So that's so when I was thinking like there's not really a good or bad with an adaptation or with where evolution takes us, that it's really about the organism and their current environment. And so that um, like, you know, a really good example of this is uh, like sickle cell anemia. Like, I don't know if you know much about that, but no. so there is uh there was an adaption that basically led to some people having sickle cells and, and the evolutionary adaptation for that is that it somehow, and I'm not going to remember the details of this right now, but I believe it has, uh, sickle cell anemia disease is basically an unintended consequence or negative side effect of people adapting to, uh, try and prevent malaria. So something about the set, like there's a genetic mutation that basically helps people. And again, really don't remember the details, but somehow is preventative or helps people that live in regions that have a lot of malaria, which Mm -hmm. we're now learning to treat and deal with a lot better. Um, and so now people are more harmed by sickle cell anemia, the mutation that leads to that disease, but it started, right? So it's like there, that, that mutation isn't inherently good or bad when you're in an environment where lots of people are getting malaria and dying from that, that mutation may be more adaptive, but when malaria is no longer as big of an issue, it may now be more harmful. So where I'm going with this question then is that's the way I think about, that's just the framework I use to think about pretty much everything mm-hmm. in evolution. Like to me, it's about the organism and their current environment and, and what, whether that mutation or adaptation is helpful here and now, mm-hmm. or whether it's more harmful. So like with that in mind, do you think there is an environment or a situation in which rapid novel technological innovation would have an evolutionary benefit for humans? Like we have obviously adapted to we've evolved to create technology and it, and rapidly do this. So given that we've evolved to do that, it makes me wonder, did our ability to create new things rapidly and create technology have an evolutionary advantage for some, like, what is the positive of that? I will tell my subjective opinion based on the, the things that I yeah. told, you know, my views and like um, when you, um, like unintended consequences of fast change because mm-hmm. uh, evolution and the adaptation rate, the changes of organisms have always happened by, by DNA mutations. And this, this is the same argument that when I say, and many other, like Shiva, who was the, the Indian lady who was Vandana, Vandana Shiva. Uh-huh. Yeah. So yes. she's all, also against GMOs because mm-hmm. I think like we can say that the organisms like they evolve, DNA is changed, but it has never been that the fish DNA mixed with um, plant DNA mm-hmm. so suddenly, you know, right. this is such a novel mutation, such a novel thing that this is the root of the problems. That's why I'm against also GMOs. Um, in terms of not maybe for human health, but environmental health in the long term, nobody knows what will happen. And it, it mm-hmm. will be, in general terms, I know that it would be destructive 
just because of the unintended consequences of that kind of rapid change. Because when you give a rapid change about much about the biological evolution, you know, you we don't expect humans to change over decades or even centuries. Biologically, we change over thousands of years, right? Hundreds of thousands of years. So that's why there is a set uh, rate of change. And if there is a disturbance faster than that, that causes a problem for us, for, uh, for a biological system that is used to deal with DNA mutations. Mm -hmm. And if such GMOs or such technologies, processed food and such things, our bodies or our um, you know, biological systems might not keep up with that because they're not used to it. And that kind of disturbance is what I'm talking about, that when you have such a big disturbance, like, like evolution takes risks. This is, technology is not a, actually it's not a normal thing. You know, the, when, when the first algae started to produce oxygen, mm -hmm. it was a normal thing. Right. Was it a bad thing? Well, it kind of wiped, it caused uh, mass extinction when it did it because there was oxygen produced and those other organisms had to adapt and many of them died out. And now some of them were able to um, keep up with that and continue, but it caused a mass extinction. Okay. Because it was such a novel uh, thing. So, and it is similar. Yeah. Okay. So then, um, would this be correct to say, you know, if I were to characterize what you're saying, then is that the rapid pace isn't even inherently bad. It's bad if we are looking at human survival and the, the organisms, like if we're coming from a perspective of, I want biological diversity. I want the species that are in existence today to still be in existence. I want humans to still be able to thrive on the planet. That from that angle, when you're saying mm -hmm. it's inherently bad, it's inherently bad for the existence of the organisms exactly. that are here and now. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Because so you're saying, right, like if humans weren't alive, like for the bacteria, you know, whatever. Right. But if the bacteria did something, it they created a mass extinction, you're saying. So mm -hmm. if you're coming from the perspective of like, oh, we wanted all those organisms that were alive at that time to still be alive, it was bad. It happened. Mm -hmm. That's evolution. I mean, I mean, sometimes, you know, I'm sitting here going like if humans went extinct, would that actually be the worst thing in the world? Like, <laughs> I, I don't want to go extinct. I think it would be bad from a perspective of all the individuals that that would mean are dying off or losing their lives. But like, I don't inherently care about the human species. I care about the individuals. And this is the way I feel about whole different conversation, but like ecology and so much of the, the ecology perspective that's like, let's put endangered animals in the zoo, let's breed them. And like, I actually don't like and support that because I don't care about the existence of a species as much as I care about 
the lives of the individuals that make up that species and the fact that they would suffer and die or experience violence or pain. So I just am, I just want to make sure I'm, I'm correct in sort of framing it that from that's the perspective you're coming from. This is inherently bad for us and the organisms that are all in existence right now. Yes, it's causing six mass extinction. It will, it will keep causing it. Like mm-hmm. I, I, that's why I said technology and humans can't exist together. You need to choose one. Like okay. if, if just before going extinct, humans can kind of build some um, self-replicating kind of technology, and it keeps, and maybe a few bacteria can survive, and they can kind of keep up with their, you know. Maybe they can live in harmony with uh, those bacteria because for bacteria, it's easier to evolve. You know, mm-hmm. it can evolve faster. So maybe it will be easier for them to, and maybe they, th- those bacteria will form um, some kind of harmony with that kind of technology, but it's, it becomes like science fiction. And, but that, that's, that's what, um, so nobody, no, I, I, actually I was saying like, putting some probabilities uh-huh. on, on those situations. Okay. And definitely for me, because of those um, reasons that I have mentioned, um, technology and humans surviving in the future is very, very, very extremely unlikely. Just because of that thing that I said. So technology will not benefit humans just because of that, that reason. Okay. Because yeah, we will not be able to keep up. It's such a novel disruption. And the other thing was maybe um, we, we, our technology and humans will cause six mass extinction and some bacteria and other organisms will survive as like um, the, the one with the fifth mass extinction. Maybe after that, like some organisms will um, take off and they will form new life forms. Mm-hmm. That's the most possible outcome, I think. And the, in between, there might be uh, technology also survives with those uh, organisms, and they take, uh, they, they form harmonious uh, being, and they evolve together. Maybe who knows? It's a possibility. But uh, that's that's the thing that very extremely unlikely that humans and technology will coexist together in the after this mass extinction you know Ooh, that's very uh yeah very so disheartening you need, choose, <laughs> you need to choose technology or the human race or the you know most of the organisms if you don't want six mass extinction to happen right you need to drop the technology or you choose technology for you know so it's it's very that's that's how evolution works it takes risks and if, it, if the disruption is very fast, if the novelty is very fast, that's how much risk it takes. So if you have a big, huge idea like technology, so big disruption, you are taking a huge risk in this new system. And it's not beneficial in the long term. You, you could go slow, you know, evolution could go slow, but it is blind, as you said. It, it, there is no bad or good, so it doesn't know. So it just does such things. And it hopes, like, you know, just it will work out. Maybe it works out, but as I said, technology will not work, will not work out for humans. I unfortunately find what you're saying very compelling. 
Okay. <laughs> like logical to me. You know? <laughs> I know it, it makes sense. I have you have you thought about like switching to evolutionary biology instead of environmental engineering? That sounds like somewhere no, uh, where you might be able to like publish papers on this because it, it almost uh, seems like it's more in that vein. After after this point, you know, I started giving up. Like I now I deal with other things like music and art and living in the moment, Zen philosophy because. When I realized that this, you know, because you are still telling me go involved with science and figure out, <laughs> yeah. but like I, when you, of course, I need to have some job and I have PhD and I can have a lecture, I can be a lecturer in the university, and probably I will have that again because of the COVID. Now mm-hmm. um, I'm not working, but I was working in the university as a lecturer. I was giving lectures, but now um, after that, I will keep giving those lectures, even that I don't find them particularly beneficial for the humankind, but that's what humans do right now. And like, I find this very disturbing for me to realize this big picture and come back to this smaller picture of living everyday life that we just set up and just um, you need to engage you need to be a part of this uh, technological system and you can't say you know you, you can't you, you have to go with the flow or you just perish perish so that's that's very it's a very disturbing thing to disturbing position to be in and in this but what you do you know you can't control everything and i'm aware of this and i I will be, you know, I, I, I try to enjoy, I still, um, if I go give lectures, I still give the lectures as I did, but now my attention is really in other things than living my life and, you know, other values, being in nature, realizing maybe connecting to, uh, connecting with other people that are like-minded and, you know, that I enjoy talking with. Mm-hmm. So my my life, it, it is a very life-changing realization to realize those things that I have told you because it's like a meteor uh-huh. <laughs> hitting and changing everything. And if kind of internal evolution is just a meteor, this, this kind of information is a disruption, just disrupts and you evolve into totally a different person. So I was just going to ask, so on that note, um sort of as we're wrapping up here, you did make like a short documentary kind of sharing these ideas. So I was going to ask where can people find you or learn more about what you are doing and uh, how you're sharing this message with the world? So I, I first decided to prepare lectures as I did in university. People didn't find it that much interesting still. They follow, but I think to reach to wider audiences, I felt that I need to make a documentary or something because I think that's the best medium to reach to wider audiences. And I, they can go and check my YouTube channel, Semi Hokus Chan. And um, there is a recent documentary uh, prepared. It is called uh, the, the Connections 2021. And it just 
share it, watch it, share it as much as possible. Not that it will make any difference, but at least it can reduce this, uh, the, the pace of this sixth mass extinction. My hope is that, because I am hoping to find a mechanism between people, like maybe there is a, such a mechanism that will, that will um, make us act in harmony against this technological thing that will slow down this, this six mass extinction. But I'm not very hopeful, but what can I do? You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's, I do this or I don't do anything. So that's, that's not a, an option for me. Well, that's great. And I'll link your channel in the show notes for people to Thank check out. Yes. Um, no. So then I guess my final question, this is just what I ask everyone now at the end of our episode is, what does science is gray mean to you? Um, so in the big picture, as I said, because I see science as evolution, evolution is blind. Sometimes it does some bad things like causing mass extinctions. That kind of being gray. Okay. But in the yeah, but uh, modern science, which involves technology, is I think mostly dark, very <laughs> much darker than most people uh, were taught to believe. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, thank you so much. Uh, this was a wonderful conversation. Thanks so much for listening today. And if you enjoyed this episode or the podcast as a whole and want to support me and help get this information in front of more people, I would love it if you could leave a rating and review of the podcast in iTunes or Spotify or whatever other app you're listening in as well. 